Hello and welcome to Real History, today's episode where we, Jenna Pateman and myself, look at the uh, particular form of fiction that is borrowing from history and we debate whether or not there's enough history in it to make it useful to people who study history or is it simply pure entertainment. Today we are going to look at the entire Tomb Raider franchise. Bit of a change from our usual episodes where we do one film, one other. Jenna, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Excellent. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both as good as we can be. <laughs> Excellent. Give me a question. Give me an answer to this. Um, how long have you been a fan of Tomb Raider? Technically, for a very long time since the first game out came out. But I went on a very big hiatus until the 2013 version came out. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, did you? Has it always been just the games, or the rest of the franchise around it? Has it been films as well? Has it been comic books? What has it been? It's been. I played the original game because yep. that was one of the random games we had on PS One, mm-hmm. and then 2013, uh, the three games and the film that came out with that mm-hmm. lot. So, Excellent. yeah. Although I've seen hints of little bits of the Tomb Raider films previously, um, mm-hmm. I've never watched them all the way through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know about the theme park rides because mm-hmm. that's my wheelhouse. And mm-hmm. um, like a lot of the memes. <laughs> so between us, we're going to be able to cover most of the franchise. Although to be fair to our listeners, we should warn you now: if you aren't familiar with the franchise in great detail, other than spoilers, obviously, um, there is also the fact that for a history podcast, let's be blatantly honest: there's not a huge amount of history yes, if, across the, the franchise. This is we're we're we're, we're, we're partly discussing that, but today we're yeah. as, we're also interested in how archaeology. And archaeologists are portrayed in fiction. Mm. So, where should we start? Well, let's start with the very where 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 I really think we should start, which is nineteenth um, century pulp. I think we need to go all the way back there. <laughs> uh, no, I'll tell you why. No, I know no, exactly why, but um, I was being silly and just thinking, no, no, that's fine. No, it's just I, I was just thinking. Okay, let's start with Lara Croft and why that happened. Well, yeah, but that's basically it. That's what I want to say. That is exactly what I want to do. Um, you can see my hand movements. <laughs> I I think uh, I think it's important. I think it's easy for people to go to the last reference that they know about rather than go back further. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. I'm in a giggly mood. That's okay. Um, I think it's important that when we, because we're doing a history-related podcast, I think it's important that we don't just go back to the most recent reference, like people do on 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 online these days when they criticise or, or examine something. So yeah. you know, with Tomb Raider, everyone goes, "Oh, so it's the female Indiana Jones, right?" That's like mm-hmm. the obvious reference, except that Indiana Jones is not an original creation no. insofar as, well, he, he semi-original. Mm. You know, it's a riff on 1930s uh, film serials, which I used to watch when I was a kid on on BBC Two, I think. Um, But those are are, are themselves riffs on the pulp fictions of the 19th century. Yes. And those fictions include a lot of adventuring around the British Empire. And, you know, they include lots and lots of horrifically racist stereotypes. (laughs) How can we 
we tie this back to colonialism. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and they also include the idea that whatever you fight, whatever adventurers go and find out there somehow belongs to the people, they, the country they come from, and must be taken back to a museum. I, I have to say, this is the most uncomfortable part of the Indiana Jones franchise for me now as an adult. Yeah. It's... Um... Is an episode I, topic at some point I do want us to further discuss is stuff like the British Museum because mm. that is a because we're a media podcast we're not just a film podcast and museums are actually part of our media it is part yes, of how we true. tell history that's very true and very true we do need to have that discussion more openly about the fact of. The British Museum and other museums like it are problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even Agreed. as much as a, like, whenever I go to London and I find myself inside, you or Jack will get a selfie. Go, guess where I am? Ah! Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's <sighs> yeah. They, it... One pays respect to the effort to record, preserve, study, and analyze. Yes. <clears throat> those historical objects, archaeological sources that are in these establishments. Mm-hmm. But the idea, I think in the 21st century, I think we recognize that the fundamental idea that the best thing we could do with these items is take them away from the people to whom they belong. Yeah. And this fundamental idea that somehow our choices, our reasoning for doing that is better and morally superior to the idea that these should belong to the people who the, the peoples who made them regardless of how those peoples treat them yeah I, I that i think we can all agree is you know not it's not right it's not good enough it's not sufficient yeah yeah and i think museums can still be filled with artifacts from other countries it just might be they go touring, so everyone gets to see them, rather well, than think... they just stay in one place. It's also about permissions. Yes. And I, I think know if a lot a co- of things are so fragile that they can't really be moved. But Sure. Yeah. But if a country requests for something back, then they have every right to have it back. Mm. That's my feeling. The you only know? thing I do have is if they're going from the British Museum, which is a free museum with a suggested donation to a paid museum, if that makes sense, because then I'm a bit, well, is that limiting access a lot more? It probably is, but if yeah. it's if, if but if but it provides income to maintain and look after yeah. the item. I mean, again, I think the fundamental issue here is nationality, culture, and origins. Yeah. I, I, imagine a museum in another country that held on to a British artefact. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine the fuss? Me just trying to think, is there any British artifacts that anyone would really want to hold on to? There may well be, but but, but, but can you imagine? Can you imagine the fuss if the British embassy in that area, in that country, asked for it back and they said no? Yeah. Our press alone, our media alone would go berserk. Let the uh, British Museum has a whole pamphlet that you can pick up in one of the certain exhibits about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so I think, I think, I think from that point of view, I think we 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 agree that these fictions all have 
uh, you know, I th- I think in some ways this is one of the reasons. Let's go bring it back to Tomb Raider. I think this is one of the reasons <laughs> I like Tomb Raider. So one of the things that there is a fundamental moral crux, uh, moral uh, uh, debate that is placed at the heart of some of these adventures, which is that you often have the the mercenary adventurer who wants to make money from mm. the rare things that he or she finds out in some part of the world that is not being explored by Europeans. Yeah, and you contrast that with the they that, and then there's always there's usually some character who says, "But this is better for study and all this kind of thing," you know, and all that kind mm. of thing. And there's a, it's that they, they you go back to these fictions and there's an interesting moral debate for that era over what should be done with these things mm. and the whole process and 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 I think, uh, but they also and they often and 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 one of the things I like about the Indiana Jones series is it places a direct contrast between education. And those who want to use these things to study and educate, and yeah. the money makers, yeah. and the politics, and that in itself is why I still enjoy that series. Tomb Raider initially, as a game franchise, does away with all that. Yeah, Tomb Raider is called the name says it all. You know, this is about the money side. Raid the tomb, get it, get yes. the item. And as a game, di- you know, there's no initial. I love those first couple of games because they were entertaining. Mm. Because they were, they felt like adventures, but also because you were very really, uh, you know, you were puzzle solving. Yeah, you were okay. Okay, you were killing animals, <laughs> but you know, it wasn't nec- it wasn't a shoot 'em up per se. Yeah. Um, I mean, me personally, as a as a fan of Hong Kong cinema, I it was one of the first games where you could walk around with two guns <laughs> shooting, and so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of having a female lead. That was also fun. It was time about time. Um, who I, just blew up over the entire world as well. Well, yeah. I mean, I've still got my copy of Face magazine that she was on the cover of as a fashion icon. I've still got my, the, the one time that one of the publishers did an entire uh, magazine special devoted to everything Tomb Raider. I've still got mm. that somewhere. Um, you know, uh, I bought the PC edition of Tomb Raider 2 that had a uh, free T-shirt and what else was in there? There was a mouse man, and <laughs> there was a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, you know, I thought it was great fun. Um, the history side of it never really bothered me, even though at the time I was playing it, I was teaching history. It never yeah. kind of really stood out for me. Do you know what I mean? There were there were stories, but it was kind of like it was it was like the fun part of Indiana Jones without the moral quandary. Yeah, you know, it was always kind of myths as well. So it's like... yeah. Yeah, they 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 narrowed it down to kind of magic and myths, which, to be fair, was already something that had kind of happened by that point with all the film ripoffs of yeah. Indiana Jones. Um, so people were kind of sidestepping this whole idea, but you know, rather than worry about the reality of it, everyone's it, it's it's always become about fictional and or mythical items. You know, you that you can trace the line from Indiana Jones all the way through. Um, TV shows like uh, um, Relic Hunter mm. through to uh, more recent stuff like Warehouse 13 and, that, yeah. and uh, The Librarians. Mm. You know, The Librarians is probably the most blatantly Indiana Jones-esque of it all. But at this point, you know, it is all about magic and, you know, mythology and that sort of stuff. And it's mm. not the supernatural and it's not about archaeology anymore no it's about 
pseudo archaeology i'd say it, oh, so i i wonder well this is a good question is it even that if all you ever do is like turn a few um turn a few levers and <laughs> walk through a door if you're not putting in the hard work of digging dusting yeah sorting <laughs> Jack. You know, at what point does it? St- <laughs> at what point do we say this is not archaeology anymore? This is literally well, it's tomb raiding. <laughs> yeah. Jack um, laughs his head off at me uh, whenever I've been playing Tomb Raider because I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. how times that I've had to destroy something. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it, it is it, uh, all the debates around Tomb Raider, all this, all the narratives that you and I encounter in the media are always around um, gender, they're around empowerment uh, and or the lack of or the improvement of, you know, it's about Mm. it's about the history of British gaming in Britain as an industry massively important there Um, and these days with the reboot it's, it's brought a whole new set of ideas and uh, attitudes to it, which kind of are refreshing the franchise, mm. so that rather than relying solely on its internal mythology, they're kind of expanding it out again to include some of the issues that you and I are talking about. Yeah. However, however, given that we there is a general, as you say, it's mythology, not history, most of the yeah. time. Um, what do you think in the? So in the, we've talked about the older version, which is mm. mostly just. Lara, the mythology around Lara. I'll come back to the films and the, and the comic books in a minute because mm. there's a bit, little bit more history there. But let, let's just jump forward to the current versions of the franchise because that's the one you've experienced and yes. I'm still behind on. Yeah. What would you say, where do you think the, the current versions of the franchise stand on the historical front? I think the way that they do it is with the, uh, especially with Tomb Raider 2013, it is much more of an action-adventure game. It isn't so much about tomb raiding. The tomb raiding is actually off to the side kind okay. of thing. You've got to kind of go, oh, there's a tomb there, I'll go do that, and you get some updates and stuff. And weirdly, no one's been here for hundreds of years, yet there's fires lit and you can find parts for a gun. It's like, mm. okay. <laughs> yeah, classic game construction issues. Yes, but... You just ignore that. Um, But it's that while you're going around, you are picking up... um, So the first game takes place on a Japanese island uh, called uh, Yutiti. I think that's how it's pronounced. Around the myth of the Queen Himiko, who Mm -hmm. uh, brought death to everyone she touched kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to... Lara is actually not the Tomb Raider as such yet. She is mm-hmm. straight out of university. She's 21. She's mm-hmm. joined as a research assistant uh, to um, another chap, uh, Dr. Whitman, who is a who is that kind of Indiana kind of Jones person because he's got a TV crew with them and they're going to mm-hmm. go find out about the story of Himiko and stuff. And mm-hmm. a basically a really bad storm happens and they end up shipwrecked on this island and you've got to solve why did you get actually shipwrecked? Why did um try and get yourself fed and uh sheltered and the su- actual survival things. 
um, looking after the other shipmates, uh, trying to contact people that to get you off the island. Mm-hmm. While there is in this background this mythology going around, and while you're going through the way that the game is laid out, it looks like it's a sandbox, but right. they have very clever ways of making sure you can't go to bits of the story that out of logical order. So, yeah. like, you can't climb this wall until you have this ability, kind yeah. of thing. So, you have to go down a sort of linear path. Um, and as you're going down that linear path, you are finding items of historical interest. You are finding letters from uh, priestesses that were around this Himiko uh, figure. You are finding um, items of like jewelry of um, that Lara's just literally just picking up, and you get the notes on there. Um, Basically, when you pick up something, you can have a look and read all the notes, which Laura does actually talk over, and it mm-hmm. does feel like she's sort of figuring out things. And you can sort of turn it round and um, see like different things. There is one where it's a kabuki mask, and you're mm-hmm. turning it round, and you find a made in China stamp on it. So okay. it's like they're taking, they're having fun with it as well. Yeah, um, no, no, no. I think that's very, very reasonable. That that seems like a much more um, upgraded approach, shall we say, yeah. um, to how it should work. But then you also have a cult that's trying to kill you, and um, basically you become known as the outsider, not an outsider, you're the outsider, and they're scared of you. Mm-hmm. Um, also has to deal with Lara killing for the first time. Um, so which, character stuff. Yeah, there is character stuff, which mm. every time you kill... She kills someone in the cutscene. She's really like repentful. But if you've been playing it anything like I do, uh, yeah, that characterization seems quite off because um, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. seem to turn into a murdering rampager. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I may have out. Jack gets worried about the local wildlife whenever I'm right, in an okay. area because I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get all the pelts and all the stuff. So yeah. Um, I play games to help with rage. <laughs> Clearly. A lot of people do, I think. A lot of people do. But at the same time, it does have that extra interest for me. Um, mm-hmm. In the latest game, which I just completed a few weeks ago, uh, which is Shadow of the Tomb Raider, that one's based more around Incan and Mayan sort of um, archaeology. Mm-hmm. And you do have two characters. One who is uh, living in a modern village in the heart of the rainforest and then one from a tribe Mm -hmm. both really strong women female characters which is great to see who are talking about the fact of people come here and take stuff Mm -hmm. and they and lara's setting herself up as the one that isn't taking stuff but you're mm-hmm. still doing the thing of, oh, I found this item. I'm going to talk it. And then the item's been, is not there anymore. So it's not, mm-hmm. I don't know whether or not it's, she's actually picked it up or she's looked at it, taken a picture and then gone. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, mm, I wonder. So, but mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. it's in that dichotomy of the collector form and stuff. It's, yeah. Um, the main thing that I think also has really changed is the look of Lara, which I think is actually really important because okay. she's 
obviously, when people think of Lara Croft, they think of the very big chested, uh, latex wearing booty shorts kind of two gun mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, they've really modernised her and turned her more into a an archaeology student. Yes. Like, um, in the first game, it was actually praised that she doesn't climb like a climber. Mm-hmm. She She's making the wrong... When she's climbing, she's doing it in the least um, energy-efficient way, basically. Yeah. So yeah. she's getting up, but she's doing it wrong. Yeah. Like a novice climber. But in the later games, she's climbing properly. Okay. So it's that kind of you can see that progression, and it's those sort of details that I guess I would have ever noticed because I mm-hmm. don't do exercise. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's um, to someone that does do climbing and stuff, they can actually see. No, she's climbing like someone just starting out who's having to do this for survival. And the interesting thing is also with. Um, the second game, um, you, well, all the games, you are finding a mixture of items from uh, prehistory right mm-hmm. through to um, Nazis and Soviets and other people who have just happened to be in that area before you mm-hmm. to make up the whole story of what's going on, which is, I think, shows the importance of not just archaeology for prehistory of digging stuff up but also Mm -hmm. archaeology of the modern era of picking up journals of letters of Mm. because these are our primary sources without archaeology Mm -hmm. us historians wouldn't actually be able to do our job yeah 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 yeah. no i if if anything it's transformed it it's transformed the job you know once upon a time you were a historian based on your ability to read and contextualize texts as as sources now it is you know very much the case that you need to back that up with whatever physical evidence exists in the in in the in the archaeological record yes uh, and you need to be prepared to consider that the source text is potentially compromised by being created by a human being at that time in that yeah. period because the, ev- the physical evidence indicates something different. Because um, if you take someone's journal entry, it can mm. always be read two ways. And also the fact of that person writing the journal is going to be biased. So then you have to read more out from that journal article kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, it this is actually the sort of stuff we get taught in university history now, which mm. I think gives you a greater understanding of, like, what is important? Why do we keep these items? Why... It's like, why do we keep the tradition of the Christmas tree kind of thing? Which, mm-hmm. I, the only reason I'm using that is because I'm staring at one right now, which mm-hmm. I guess... Shows when we're recording. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, so why have I decorated the tree with these items rather than these sort of items? And there's like, there's a lot of geeky stuff in there, like princesses and Hogwarts and stuff. But there's also the very traditional bell and angel and the um, glass baubles with like, that are just very traditional. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so why did I choose those items over these sort of? And it's it 
it does make you look at sort of different things in a different way, I guess, which is, uh, I think, a really healthy way to be. So, yep. yeah. Fair enough. So I think one of the problems I have <clears throat> as a fan of this franchise is <clears throat> that, and I think this is compounded by the extensions into comics and movies, <clears throat> is that ultimately everything you've just described is solely there to you're more likely to recognize the value as you just said of of primary sources if you're playing the game than you are if you're trying to follow other versions of it because in other versions of it these things are just plot points these things are just mechanics you know we need to get lara from this point to this point in the plot so therefore she needs to find some information here is the information Mm. and at that point we're in dan brown territory um And I think that while I like adventure films at some degree, and I, 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 I've always enjoyed the adventure format, I mean, I think it's quite, I think it's very interesting that we get the game, the, the get, this is a game franchise that blows up in the 90s, but I would honestly argue that one of the few films that recognizes both what we're getting out of Tomb Raiders of Game Franchise and what Indiana Jones was doing well is The Mummy in the, mm. in the remake in 99. Yeah. You know, that was the first time I sat in the cinema and I was like, oh, this is what it's about. Here's the fun part. Yeah. You know, you get, here's the intelligent part with the librarian, Evie, funnily enough. <laughs> and here is the action part with Brendan Fraser running around with two guns yeah. in the 30s. You know, it's like, okay, we've got this figured out. And, and, and honestly, I think the sequel's even better. I think The Mummy Returns is pure old school 19th century pulp. Um, but in both, and in both cases, however, there is a greater understanding and recognition. These plot points are still given some weight in terms mm. of the in terms of the uh, Evelyn as the librarian going but this is important these yeah. texts matter these texts have an origin you know the, the one of the reasons i like the sequel film is because it reminds you that there is a even in a mythological context there is a past civilization behind this yeah they had a way of living and a way of interacting and a way of um you know these had emotion these they were still human beings with emotions and they had these had consequences mm. And I think I think that in itself increases the fascination. The stuff with cults and whatnot is is interesting. I don't. I I'm, I know <laughs> I am not widely read enough to know if anyone's done a decent study on the degree to which cults and religion are treated as villains in nineteenth-century pulp fiction because of the increasing primacy of science and rationalism in the empire, given that we're also in a time that's heavily Christian. Yes. And it's busy going around the world making people Christian, whether they need it or not. Because, Um, of course, that's more civilised. Well, but then that's that's why I'd like to see a study on the nature of these elements in Pulp Fiction. And, in fact, the one person I think who would do that quite well is probably... I should probably tweet him and see if he's done it. Um, but, uh, but, But Tomb Raider dispenses with a lot of that in the games, but then until the recent franchise reboot, which you've been well, discussing. the only one that has a cult in it really is the first game. Right, but they, it's, it's, it's still it's a, more a about feature. Trinity, uh, which is a big bad corporation. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. They're going to modernise it in that context. Yeah. Uh, but I think the comics... Because Dark Horse did a really nice series of comics that were beautifully drawn in the 90s and very well written by, if memory serves, don't quote me on this, I think it was Chuck Dixon because he always did very good adventure stuff. Mm. Um, 
I'm trying to remember who wrote it off the top of my head. I can't. But the the those were far more kind of typically pulp adventure you know here's the client here's the job this is the job to go to reading this is how much money it will cost oh wait look what i've discovered along the way but there were, yeah. uh, but you know there was there was a good balance of here is a plot point but also here's why this matters in that context um mm. but it, but being comics it's always thumbnailed you know it's always just a little bit to keep you going yeah between the action it's not a big in-depth thing and the movies stepped away from that even further you know the the i do genuinely like both of the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raiders, I think she was fantastic in them. Mm. I like how the first one takes various elements from the games and then does something original with them. Yeah. Croft Manor, the attack on Croft Manor, etc., etc. But it kind of fumbles the landing with its whole understanding, with its whole um, attempt to use the Illuminati and how to relate all of that to what Lara's doing. And then the sequel kind of doubles down on being more of a pure action piece. Yeah. Uh, which is still great fun, but again, you know, it's not what we're here to talk about. And, and so in that sense, they don't really connect. I, I, I kind of feel like... So, so, so one of the best examples of a, of a modernization of 19th century pulp was also in the 90s, which is Michael Crichton's novel Congo, which he wrote earlier, but they made a film version. Most okay. people hate it. It's generally considered one of the worst movies of all time. I love it. <laughs> it's directed by Frank Marshall, who is a regular producer for Steven Spielberg. Um, uh, I believe was married to Kathleen was or is married to, married to Kathleen Kennedy, who currently runs the entire Star Wars franchise. Mm. Um, they were producers together for many, many years, and I think it's a lot of fun. And one of the things that's really fun about it because it updates a number of myths. It updates. The King Solomon's Mines myth, okay. uh, the, the, the adventure thing, the entire basis for all of this Indiana Jones Tomb Raider stuff. Yeah. It updates the idea of intelligent apes, mm. you know, living out there in the jungle. It's kind of a uh, so, so things like Mighty Joe Young, King Kong. It updates that because Michael Crichton, of course, is the guy who wrote Jurassic Park, so you know he's updating it. Mm. Um, but one of the things he does, and I love this bit, is the great hunter. You know, the great white hunter. You know that stereotype. The, who's basically yes. the root image of our roving archaeologists of this century. You know, the the guy who is intelligent and knowledgeable, but also armed and, and quick to fight, yeah? Yeah, um, I it, think a good example of that would actually be uh, Clayden from Tarzan, the Disney yeah. version. So, yeah, and, yeah. In, and in, 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 um, in Congo, it's a black guy. It's a oh. <laughs> There's an it's 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 actually Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters, oh, okay. and there's an absolutely brilliant moment where he turns to where where the, they're all like looking at him. He turns to them and goes, "Not the Great White Hunter you were expecting," or something like that, or <laughs> "I am," or says, "I am the Great White Hunter," and grins. And I was just like, "Yes, I'm on board this film. I am on board this film." Well, however, wherever it goes, because and I always wanted them to make a sequel with him because mm. it was just like it's the one thing I didn't see in the '90s. Like we had, you know, we had a we had a. Um, uh, Hawaiian Asian lady in the context of uh, Relic Hunter, which is also which, you know, which is basically Tomb Raider slash Indiana Jones as a TV show, uh, and does it very very well. Um, and and that was uh, Tia Carrera, uh, you know. And then you get, um, and then obviously we get Lara Croft, who's female, and um, and then we get, but we didn't see very many people of color doing this stuff. No. Uh, and part of the reason why is because it raises issues, it raises the questions about the colonial elements. Well, originally Lara Croft was supposed to be Hispanic. 
you see now that would have been it that would be interesting mm. is it my un- i haven't seen it yet but is mm. it my understanding that the new dora the explorer movie the live action one kind of you know deals with all of that Why kind would of you assume i've seen dora the explorer no because um... you're a mum <laughs> and I wanted to. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to see it. Story of the Explorer live action. I didn't get chance, but I okay. did see the trailers, and it does seem Looks... to be. It seems to be borrowing from a lot of the pulp. Yeah, the yeah, same... but also Tomb Raider, you know. Yeah, and yeah, the same so... thing with like Jumanji as well, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jumanji is very interesting. Like this, one of the things I think Jumanji is very interesting. I really enjoyed. The original adaptation with Robin Williams. Mm. I didn't get around to seeing Zathura. I really should. Um, I think the new ones, which aren't, they're, they're, people are calling them a reboot, but are they given their sequels? They're mm. definitely sequels. Um, I think the new ones are very clever. They're, they, they, they are. I mean, you know. Karen Gillan's Ruby Roundhouse is Tomb Raider. Mm. You know, it's Lara Croft. Although you could argue that they've kind of split it out between her and Jack Black's, you know, traditional Nerdy. explorer character. Yeah. You know, it's kind of. But 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 the point is, you can again, as you say, it's the pulp fictions. It's the same ideas. It's the roots. Of, but I like the fact that the the new version is fully aware of all these pieces mm. of the puzzle, and they're very very careful in how they're playing with it all. Um, so, so yeah, no, I think I think I think I think there are people out there playing with this, doing interesting things with it, moving it on, including the modern Tomb Raider franchise. But ultimately, given what our podcast is about, I do sort of think that they have. Here's the thing, right? We're, there's a load of people, partly my generation, partly afterwards, who got f- interested in history and history and archaeology because of things like Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Mm. Or, it, or it helped increase the interest. Yeah. The reality is, if you go out there, you are going to be spending a lot of time in trenches, digging, dusting, <laughs> cataloging. Yes. That's, there's, you know, the, all the other stuff, a lot less of it. Yeah. There, there is actually a reason that I'm more happy as a historian than the archaeologist. Yeah, yeah, precisely. <laughs> we get the uh, books. <laughs> but one of the things I think people underestimate, and I think filmmakers in particular underestimate this, is that reality, that slightly slower, more th- more kind of grinding element can actually be attractive. One of the, mm. I will not forget how in the nineties <clears throat> time team I was just about to say, look out how sorry. <clears throat> yeah. How popular time team is. Well, no, I agree. I honestly honestly time I was teaching history at the time. Time team changed ex- how all of the kids I taught saw the subject. It changed everything. And in in, in, in not least because the amount of archaeology they did rewrote the historical record for Britain at the time. Mm. And, st- and still some of that stuff stands now as yeah. core changes in our understanding. Um, and I think that's kind of quite important um, to recognise that the reality is sometimes equally appealing and, and very, very interesting. And I think it's not that I want to see a Tomb Raider in which she spends all her time digging artefacts up. Yeah, but I do feel like we should be paying more. 
I feel like the fictions should be recognizing more the joy, the passion, the interest, the hard work that goes into these before we start shooting things and blowing things up. Yes. <laughs> so, and this is coming from the action movie junkie, you know. Yeah. I'm saying that, but do, would you would you say that's fair? Yeah, I mean, um, only because it's been staring at me. Uh, because I've got a massive box for, of um. Assassin's Creed um, Odyssey. Oh, I love Assassin's Creed. Um, and the only reason I'm going to mention this is for the last two games, which is Odyssey and Origins. Yeah, so Egypt... Ancient Egypt, Ancient Greece. Yes. And the amount of time and effort they've put into making those civilizations explorable. Yes. And also, um, they... Both have come with what's called discovery mode, which is where you can go to and take a. You can go to a certain point. You can take a walk, and you have a narration telling, explaining what's going on, and all this sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and it's also a mode where there's no shooting, there's no death, there's no like. Mm-hmm. It's actually the mode we put Evie on because she wants to play the horse ridey game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's the point of it. That's and... exactly the point of it. It means that you can, um, like, for example, with the Ancient Egypt one, you can go and watch the whole process of mummification and it talks you through it. And that's the bit when, like, if you're an eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy kind of thing, that's the gross, icky stuff you kind of want to find out about because that's cool. And it's just a different way of showing this stuff. And it gives it, I think... That's also really important, especially if we are talking about history and gaming, because I'd love to come back to the Assassin's Creed. Um, we will. We will. We because... will absolutely do an episode on that. I think oh, that's so good. <laughs> I do I think you're right. I think you've hit some you've hit on something really important here, which is the fact that graphical interfaces have now got to the point where we can create such an elaborate fictional reality. For people to play in, yeah, that you then start to question why do we need pulp adventure as the underlying genre? Yeah, like wouldn't I would love to have a VR game where you just challenge a kid or you just challenge anybody to to live for a day mm. in this era or time without killing anyone or shooting anyone, <laughs> yeah, doing what most people do. Yeah, I think that would really help move people away from not just glorification of the military, but I think it would also help move people away from the idea that violence is the first solution to most things. Mm. Like, you know, the, the, uh, one of the things that's going to, one of the things that those early Tomb Raider games did was the violence wasn't your, didn't ha- was not, you know, you, you resorted to it when you had to. Yeah. It was a lot of exploring and puzzle work. Yeah, you which know, I some, think a lot the of the newer sorry. games have sort of lost because they have become actiony adventure shooter things. Yeah, um, post Uncharted. Or the yeah, and Enchanted, Enchanted, um, Uncharted. <laughs> There's a crossover we're waiting for. Uncharted <laughs> meets Enchanted. <laughs> yeah, singing princesses. That would be amazing. Um, the Uncharted and stuff like that. Also, that sort of game with archaeology and mm-hmm. exploring uh, the Francis Drake 
uh, stuff as well, which was very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I've only played the first game of those, but I'm going to be slowly w- making my way through them because, to be honest, I do enjoy that kind of game. So because mm-hmm. it's, I can I joke with uh, people. I'm doing history totes, yeah, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But I am kind of, and I'm learning about a sort of kind of a new thing. It's. As I said, it's very different with the newer Assassin's Creed games because one of the complaints I actually saw, which made me laugh my head off, was uh, that it didn't seem like ancient Egypt because everything wasn't white. As in, all the marble wasn't white, it was all painted. Oh, for goodness sake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm just... Do we even need to address that? Oh my word! Because everything was painted bright colours. Yes, which is how we know it was. Yes, there's that lovely graphic doing the rounds on Twitter of what the pyramids will have looked like with their original painted shells on. Yeah, which is amazing. Yes, um, that's one thing that's interesting in the Origins game as well with with the pyramids because they are starting to crumble, but they are not anywhere near what they are now. Mm-hmm. And it actually, because it's um, that game takes place in Cleopatra era, mm. and so that really tries to actually remind you that ancient Egypt is a big, giant, long period, yeah, <laughs> which massively of thousands of years, and it's mm. like, oh yeah, the pyramids, the pyramids at that time would have been older to. Cleopatra than Cleopatra is to us I think it was it was yep. something like that and mm-hmm. yeah which is kind of makes your head explode a bit because you just might it's the way we look at ancient Egypt is squeezed into a small bubble but mm. it's so many different people it's so many different ways of life yes they had the same sort of gods for the most of the period but there was this one period where they dis- um a pharaoh decided no we're just going to worship the sun now and for his rule that happened and then they went back to what they wanted to do mm, so mm. there are so many can you tell i like ancient Egypt? no but i think it, i think <laughs> this is a really important point you know we're talking about a two uh, we're talking about a franchise that has returned that is actually at this stage, is probably far more interested in the um, in the gender issues than yeah. it is in the history elements. Mm. Um, I were I wonder if that has something to do. You know, I wonder. No, let me change that. I, we said earlier that that has been there since the start. We understand why you t- you addressed that quite well. Mm. Uh, let, we're interested in the history side of it, and I think that that ha- that is, as you say, they've made an effort to improve on that. But it is still very much a backseat to these things. Let's give give Ubisoft credit for what they're doing with Assassin's Creed. They have always tried to keep the history front and center. Yeah. But now they're making it. They understand that there is a there is a valuable educational level to what they do and that we they're making it that accessible to people. Mm. And I think that's really, really important. I got very frustrated when I saw someone on Twitter saying, well, what is the enti- what's the entire point of this, at this, this option? Like, who cares? And I was like, are you kidding? The- are you actually kidding? What do you play Assassin's Creed for? Clearly not the same thing as the rest of us. Um, 
the thing that I really respect about them as well for this is Discovery Mode was DLC, but it was free. Yes, that was the whole point. It was yeah. it, it, it was deliberately an educational context. So yeah. I think that's massively important. And um, as I said, on. it's a thing that I've given to Evie so she can run around in and I don't have to worry about... It's a giant open sandbox. And it has led to her asking questions, and which is great, which mm-hmm. as a five-year-old, obviously, if I, if I say one of her favourite games is Assassin's Creed Origins, people might look at me weird. But it's true, because she Yeah, because gets... she's not doing the missions. It's just no. like those, It's the thing that so many of us like about these sandbox games. We don't yeah. care about the missions. We're not here for the missions. We're here to wander around a virtual reality. And also, um, like, look at all the animals and, like, yeah. there's yeah, hippos! There's hippos! <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I think this is a really... I think when you go... I think you we, you were mentioning museums at one point. Yeah. Uh, I think it was before we were recording, but I think it's... Re- or was oh, no, it, it was on uh, recording. Good, excellent. Muse- I think one of the things... The best museums I've been to in the last three years are so much more virtual. Yes, so much more uh, uh, clever in their use of small amounts and doses of technology to put you in the moment and the plot time and the place. Mm. And that is that is not just amazing to me, that continues to open up ideas for fiction as well. Yeah. I think my big problem, and I say this with all my enduring love of Tomb Raider, I think my big problem with any of these things where the people trying to you know universal trying to reboot the mummy as well or what have you well that was is, yeah i yeah. think all of these things i think right now it's the 21st century we're in the second decade we're nearly quarter of the way through yeah. it is time to put victorian pulp uh, uh, plot lines and tropes to bed yeah. It is time to do something more interesting with them because novelists have been doing more interesting stuff with this for a very long time. Mm. You know, the entire the 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 the, the, the character the, sorry the writer who helped who basically was one of the three key writers to invent what now is called steampunk. Mm. If you go back and read his books, because he's not worried about the. That, that that he's playing in an existing sandbox because it doesn't exist. Mm. He's creating from whole cloth. He has he's he's got plot lines and ideas that no one's touching still because his plot lines involve time travel. They involve people from now going back to a particular period in time. It involves people from that time then perceiving what's happening and going wait. You know that, that whole um the the uh, um oh somewhere in time style plot line of oh wait somebody comes then comes forward but the point is that it recognizes that if you go back to a period of time and start getting yourself involved in some way if you're not careful they're not stupid they're from that time period they're still human beings Mm. they're going to notice pretty quickly you're not from around here well and that's going to have issues but if they even begin to figure out your technology that's going to alter history completely. Yeah. And going, we don't do enough of that stuff. I was going to say, that happens sometimes in Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, no, Doctor That's one of the reasons I still love Doctor Who. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I still love Doctor Who to this day. Uh, I've been a fan of it all my life, lit, quite literally. And I think that it is possibly the best... Even now, it's 
the one franchise that has the most potential to do all of these different things at once. Mm. But it and it, it is also still built on pulp tropes. Yeah. And it needs to be. It's being more adventurous with them, but it still tends to come down to like like one of the things they they very rarely do anymore, which they used to do in the sixties, is you you have a history of historically set adventure in which there are no aliens. Yeah. <laughs> the villains are the actual people of the you know, the historical characters. There is a historical character who is a villain. Well, I would say um the Rosa Parks episode was very I can't remember it being any aliens in there. Yeah, it was because that's who that that's who keeps oh, changing the timeline. Oh yeah. yeah. That's the problem. That is the problem. You're right. The the historical recreation elements were brilliant and in fact one I have watched this show for so many many decades and it is still the most horrific one of the most horrific things I have ever seen on the show is the moment they are in the bar and they realize where they are and what's happening to them and they realize that they could be arrested or beaten up or worse yeah. which is the most realistic feeling to me and it was absolutely shocking and it was painful and difficult for me the thing about tomb raider is that much as i love it um and much as I recognise it's never going to go back to the past and do that sort of thing, it's, that's not what it's here to do. Yeah. Um, because it's always pulp tropes and adventures, you know where it's going. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. I, I, I feel... If Lara's job is to go out there and nick stuff <laughs> <laughs> and sell it to somebody or and or maybe that person is in a museum. Or Who just knows? take it back to her house and hold it. Yeah, exactly. I really think it's maybe time they looked at... if Since they're gi- giving her a new... Since she's now effectively a new character growing up now, let's see how that changes. Mm-hmm. Let's see how she is now. Let, let's move this on a bit. But also let's show... Let's, let's look at her historical knowledge, you know? Let, let's reflect on... Let's allow her to be not just the person who can fight, punch, kill, but the person who can lecture, who can discuss, who can intelligently reference. Yeah. Let's show that you can do all of this stuff. I will actually say one good thing about the second game as well is that there are references to the fact of after the events of the first game, she has actually gone to therapy. Brilliant. Which is like... That makes complete and utter sense. Thank you. So yes. So, but that again comes back to character, not yeah, history. Sorry. And that but... no, that's fine. I'm just saying that's the thing, isn't it? They're 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 they're, they're dropping in these these bits of realism for the character, mm. but they're not doing anything about the tomb raiding element. Yeah. I think media that is dealing with historical objects is starting to get a bit better about it. I mean, one thing that will come to mind for me is uh, Black Panther. Mm, mm, And the whole mm. sequence they had in the museum Mm -hmm. and the the discussion of that, which Mm. uh, of like that we were talking about earlier, which is a huge, it was a huge film for both white and black audiences. Mm. And you could tell, I think it was the National Museum of the United Kingdom. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the invented like, British mm. Museum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And you could seriously tell that they wanted to have the British Museum involved, but the British Museum would have not allowed that at all because it's, again, opening up too much discussion. But mm. the way that they tackled it was amazing. And Jack was j- apparently just sitting watching me just being like they're actually talking about this this is great so yeah sorry 
that that's no. Jen, Jen, Jenna's Marvel corner for the week. <laughs> so, given we've only got a few minutes left, where Sorry. do we want to come down on? No, that's fine. Well, given we only have a few minutes left, where do we want to come down on in the percentages? Thirty. Yeah. Okay. Because most of Tomb Raider is not about the tomb raiding, especially now. Mm. But it has enough that you can pick up and it's there for people who want it, if that makes sense. It's there mm-hmm. for people like me who are going to read all the random extra stuff and look at the objects and enjoy that. But again, if someone just wants a shooty-shooty game with a pretty lady, mm-hmm. they've also got that. So it's so yeah, I think it's a just under a third. It's... The fact that mythology is very, very important to the series, though, as well, mm-hmm. it still makes it an element that you can't really escape because mm-hmm. you are traveling through these beautiful ancient sites from Japan. Second game is Russia, I believe. Well, mountains, and you go into Russia and there's stuff to do with Soviets. And then the third game is Incan and South America sort of thing. So you are still interacting with the history. But it's, it's always the same history. Yeah. And I think that's my issue in the end. I think I think at this stage of the game, I'd like to see somebody do something that isn't about the same things I've seen for 50 years. Oh, well, the second well, game, as I'm, I said, is Russia. 34. Yeah, yeah, no, but for example, let me give you an example of something that none of these franchises have touched that I would really like to see. Mm. So, everyone, most people who have a passing interest in history have heard of the destruction of the Library of Alexandria in Egypt. Yep, they have the um, library in one of the games, and I'm what? Yeah, but nobody, people don't talk <laughs> enough about the destruction of the library in Timbuktu. No, uh, which is now very well recorded, very well studied. There's a lot more information. We're still learning more, and University of Cape Town has started funding a special project to help try and record and locate. Um, some of the manuscripts that have survived, there are not many. Mm. But um, I think, let me just talk to you about how it ended, right? Uh, I'm reading from understandingslavery.com, mm. which is a museum-funded and run website, uh, National Maritime Museum, the Hull City Council, Bristol City Council, Bristol Museum Galleries, Museum of London from Docklands, uh, Liverpool, and American Museum of Britain all fund this site. Yeah. And this is the end of the article on the Library of Timbuktu. Library, libraries, I should say. The Golden Age of Timbuktu came to an end with the collapse of the Songhe Empire following the invasion by Morocco, whose Sultan Ahmad Alman Ahmad the First Al Mansur had established an alliance with Elizabeth I of England. The English prov- agreed to provide the Moroccan military with firearms and men skilled in the use of these weapons. This Arab European army invaded Songhe in 1591 and destroyed it. The invaders confiscated gold and other resources, enslaved the Songhe scholars including oh. Ahmed Baba, who was deported to Morocco, and attempted to confiscate Timbuktu's archives. And so, in the 1656, the great West African historian Abdurrahman al-Sadi wrote in his Tariq al-Sudan, I saw the ruin and collapse of the science of history. I observed that its gold and small change were both disappearing. There! There is something you have never seen in a video game, or a movie, or a book. That is something. Can you imagine? Mm. Can you imagine? You know, an entirely fresh to westernize to the wider media mainstream. Yeah. A whole new section of history for them to discover and learn about. Imagine if we do that through Lara. 
That would be amazing. It would. So, I agree with you. I'll go with 30%. Let's hope for the future. Let's hope that there's more ambition to move beyond... Ga- because you and I both know that games can be more than just shoot 'em ups and adventures. We can yep. do more. Let's hope there's more. Uh, where can people find you online, Jenna? They can find me at Nadesco Kitty on uh, Twitter. And I also have a Kofi, which is Jenna Pateman, I believe. So, Fantastic. Or you can also find my writings on the Bunkzilla website, which... Excellent. Uh, I am um, just about to put up a review of Frozen 2 that I wrote, so, yeah. Fantastic. Oh. People can find me at 40A Publishing on Twitter, uh, and now there is a 40A Publishing email address at Gmail if you want to email us about anything. Uh, if anyone wants to hire me for business, 40A Consultancy, <laughs> and my personal one is Hugh K. David across all social media. Folks, this has been us looking at... Oh, sorry about that. Let me, start, let me start again. That was the timer. <laughs> okay, stop. Ready? Here we go. Folks, this has been Real History. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Jenna. Yes, thank you. This has been uh, actually... When we chose the subject, I think we are both like, mm, could we get a lot of out of this? And I think we we could do much more on this, like we find with every episode. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for listening, folks, and we will you will hear from us next episode.